Welcome to Ahead of the Game, a podcast brought to you by the Digital Marketing Institute. I'm your host, Will Francis, and today I'll be talking to Ailish Carew, CEO at Epic, the Irish Emigration Museum in Dublin. She's led marketing there, winner of multiple Europe-wide awards, by the way, as well as at other key destinations in Ireland and at the country's tourism authority too. I'll be asking her how she achieved success and what challenges that she's overcome along the way and what she's up to at Epic currently. Ailish, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Will. I'm delighted to be here. It's great to have you. Um, I think that we've got a lot of interesting things to talk about. I am very interested in your background in tourism generally and destination marketing and um, all the various things that you're doing at Epic as well. Just start by give us, giving us an overview of Epic, the museum. Who's who? Who goes there? Who are the kind of visitors? Who's your audience? Who's your online audience? Um, what kind of demographics are you targeting there? So Epic's the Irish Immigration Museum. So we tell the story of Irish history and culture through the lens of immigration. So it's a great place to get a complete overview of what Irishness is and what it means to be Irish. Um, our visitors, um, we, I suppose our key segment are firstly what we call the domestic audience, the Irish, and that would be about 25% of our visitors. Um, Americans are the next biggest segment, um, obviously more in the summer months, but we're seeing Americans come throughout the year. That would be about 35%. And then British, Northern Irish, and a mixture of some of the key European destinations, such as Germany, Spain, France, Italy, and the Scandinavian countries coming in there as well. And is there a certain kind of profile? Is there a certain type of person that you find is attracted to that museum? That's a really good question. Um, what we find, obviously, a, a large segment of our visitors are are of Irish descent. So if you know, you know, this, so many people say, well, I'm Irish, and then say, well, I'm Irish too. And you go, well, what part of Ireland are you from? And you went, well, my great-great-grandfather came from, I think, County Clare. If that is your starting point introduction to Irishness, then Epic is a wonderful place to start because that will give you a sense of the period of Ireland that your family actually emigrated from. So what was it like in the 17th century, 18th century, 19th century? You get a sense of of the Irishness. The other thing we, we tell is, I suppose, how the Irish over the years have overcome adversity, persecution, famines, um religious persecutions, how we have overcome all of that and how we have actually triumphed over adversity. So for many people, it is really, you know, very much an entertaining visit, an entertaining day out. People come to kind of discover a bit more about their Irish heritage. Yeah, so I suppose if, if we take the, the tourism perspective, when they come to Ireland, they want to understand a little bit more about the country that they're in. So they're here to relax, they're here to have a good time. But most people want to get underneath the skin of the country they're in. So what does it mean to be Irish? What's the history of the country? And it puts in perspective, you know, if you're sitting having a pint in Donny and Nesbitt's and they're talking about sport or they're talking about politics, it puts a little bit in perspective what you're hearing and what you're seeing. Um, for sure, if you are of Irish descent and you know that your 
grandparents maybe came from Mayo or came from Louth, as in Joe Biden's case, then coming to Epic and getting a sense of what was the Ireland that they left? Where, where would they have come from? Give me some sense of the country that they left or why they might have left. Um, and then the second part of Epic is very much about how Irish people, what we've achieved in the world. So when we say, this is us, we're poets, we're musicians, we're authors, we're politicians, and we're sports people. And our influence in so many fields are, is demonstrated in Epic. Um, so did you get that sense of how the Irish have spread around the world and what they've done? It's an interesting way that you tell that story, though, isn't it? Because it's such it's it's a very digital experience, right? You know, it's not about artefacts in glass cases. No, Epic is, I would say, we, we are a storytelling museum. So we tell 1,500 years of history. We have 320 stories representation in the museum. And we're constantly adding and changing some of those stories um, so that we stay up to date. But it's all represented digitally. So by a mixture of it's very immersive. So you are completely engaged um, using lots and lots of different media while you're in Epic, be that um, quizzes, you can dance, you can tell stories, you you can interact. For example, there's a huge sports table and you just pick the sport that you're interested in and then you find, for example, that John McEnroe had Irish heritage if you're interested in in tennis or Pakash had Irish heritage. So you, you find out a little bit more, again, about the influence of the Irish on different sports. That's that's interesting. And with, with that kind of bank of stories... That's a goldmine for content marketing and social media marketing, or is it is it harder to mine that than I'm imagining? Actually, it's it is. You're absolutely right. The word is goldmine. It is a content creator's dream because we have obviously the 320 stories within the museum, but we're constantly. We're a collector of stories. So we're not a collector of artifacts. We're a collector of stories and telling those stories, many of them that have never been told before. So for sure, our digital marketing team, um, and the, the, the community that we're engaging with in all of our different channels. And obviously the type of engagement is different per channel, but what they all want to connect is with stories, you know, stories that are of interest and are engaging to them. That's what people want to engage with. And so we have that opportunity to be constantly telling stories and feeding out into the marketplace and engaging with people. You know what I think is really interesting when you go to museums, as as a marketer myself, I think you, you what you see when you go to museums these days is this tension where the museum really wants to make the most of the fact you're there and you are a potential advocate of the experience. So there's like QR codes and there's like maybe an Instagram frame and stuff like that, right? But at the same time, they don't really want you on your phone. They want you immersed completely in the experience of the museum, right? And sealed off from the normal world for a couple of hours. How do you reconcile that tension? Um Guilty as charged, I suppose we do have a few few spots in the museum where we remind you to post on Instagram or take your story. Firstly, I mean, Epic is digital and it's beautiful. I mean, there are beautiful sculptures, the beautiful installations. So it's very, very photogenic. And we want people on, firstly, we want people on their cameras to take stories and share that story. And But you can see people capturing the moment as they go throughout the museum. And really, storytelling, capturing 
capturing memories and people say this was a great way to learn and understand Irish history and culture in a memorable way. And if your phone is part of the memorable way and creating and bringing some of that experience home with you, it's important. I mean, for us, obviously, even better if you're willing to share it. Um, that is a digital marketer's objective. Of course, but you're right. And that's, that's, that's really nice. I mean, you, you have to respect the fact that the way that we log experiences is, is with our phone, right? Whether it's, you know, taking pictures of recipes that we see or amazing experiences we have. And it's, that's, that's our kind of logbook of life, isn't it? So it makes sense. It, it is. And if we take, and we cater to the, another really nice thing about Epic is there is something for everybody. So it really is. I think somewhere that you could come with your your child, your grandchild, your your mother, you know, four generations, three generations can effectively have a day out together. Um, and that's a lovely thing to see when I see multi-generational families coming and enjoying Epic. But if we take the younger demographic, they will not have grown up in a world without a phone. You know, it's just um, that's the life and the world we live in today where they, they experience the whole world via their phone, and so it, it's it's part and parcel of of wh- how how we work. I think today, absolutely. Um, so you came to Epic to do marketing. What sort of state was its marketing in at that point, and how have you uh, changed that, or kind of made your mark there, if you have? Um, so Epic opened in 2016 and I joined in January 2017. Um, I met, I, I did a little bit of work for them pre-joining and then they offered me a full-time role and I came on board as director of sales and marketing. So I suppose when I think back of the earlier days, they had founded and built this wonderful world-class museum and those that made their way to Epic loved it and were giving great feedback. As in any startup, it wasn't nearly enough. So people, yeah, you, you know, the, the external consultants that had provided the visitor numbers, which are actually the visitor numbers that we're achieving now, um, they just forecasted they, they would achieve them much sooner. But we had a couple of different big challenges as we identified to overcome. First was digital, actually. There was one person in the digital team, a very good chap, but he had to do all the systems, um, all the marketing by himself. So now the digital marketing team are five, you know, so I think recruiting, you know, while you think some, and digital is so many different areas from, from obviously your process, your systems, your websites and your setup and your content to the engagement perspective and then the cap mastering Google and mastering advertising is another discipline in itself. And then the ongoing engagement with the audience project management of launching new exhibitions, project management of a learning program takes all different skills within the marketing team. So that's what we have today. We have a team of five. Um, we also do the marketing for the Jeannie Johnson. So I suppose we, we're covering more than one product and we do the marketing for the events in CHQ. So we've quite a wide marketing. The Jeannie Johnson being the big ship. Jeannie Johnson is the FAMA Memorial, the replica FAMA Memorial ship, which is directly across from Epic. And it's a very good lead into why, why are we doing the marketing for the Jeannie Johnson? 
One of the things I identified in kind of our earlier challenges was this whole destination management. So Epic is based in Dublin's Docklands. For those that don't know Dublin, it is literally about a seven minute walk. And I know that from O'Connell Street because I walk it several times. Um, so a stone's throw. Um, the Lewis, which is our tram line, stops directly outside Epic. So very, very accessible. However, we were at the time the dial has changed just outside that main tourist tourist kind of pathway which probably leads from you know trinity college on one side right up to the other side of the liberties which takes in the guinness storehouse um Kilmainham Jail and Emma on that side. So you're moving people outside of what is was at the time the normal tourism path. And that was quite, we felt to do that, people would come to the area and we needed to market the destination. So by looking at the destination in itself that we would be marketing, Epic, the Jeannie Johnson directly across, and the Famine Memorial, which is all kind of part of that famine immigration story. They're all complementary to each other. Um, so that's why we t- we proposed and took on the marketing, and it has worked really well for us. Yeah. Um, what kind of channels have you really leaned on for that marketing? I mean, how do you tell people something like that exists? Well, what have you found are the most effective ways to do that? There are so many different channels, and I suppose we we really do try and touch all of them. Um, so some some are about building awareness, some are about direct conversion to business. So it's a mixture. Um, so where do I start? I mean, we if I look at the if I look at from the digital perspective, obviously Facebook now Meta, that's a very important channel for us in terms of. Building awareness. So we have a very strong community on, on Meta who regularly engage with us. For them, it's about storytelling. It's about updating our history lectures, our program. And they engage with that. And they are, for me, there are brand awareness. There are word of mouth. You know, they're mostly, pe- a lot of them are people that have come or are just interested in Irish history and culture. Then if we look to, to Twitter X, it's more about what's what's the news, what's current. Um, and that's an important channel, just if we have a new exhibition, if we have visiting dignitary, a VIP, that becomes that very current, engaging with um, particularly journalism, media. Um, Instagram, and, you know, when I started, we weren't on Instagram. You know, when you think of how fast things change, um, we weren't on Instagram and now we have um, about 14,000 followers on Instagram that we engage with. And that becomes much more about the short clip, the short reel. And then TikTok is growing rapidly for us. And again, it's a completely different kind of engagement, slightly younger demographic, as we know, but also it's, it, it is the stories, it's the fun. But we found even on TikTok, we stick to our core brand. What gets the most engagement is historical stories. You know, it might be a fun little tidbit about did you know that's relevant. Um, and that's what gets the engagement with people. Your TikTok's interesting because I noticed that what I like about it is that you've recognised that you have to have someone in it. You can't just point the camera at things in the museum, largely. So is that someone in the marketing team pulled that straw, did they? Um, so we have, 
No, we have two historians. We have a historian in residence, and then we have our um, Nathan, who's our lead curator and head of exhibitions. So it's mainly them that that um, are used for TikTok. So again, it gives very much then an authentic voice, and I think we're recognised now. Um, seven years after opening, we're recognised as being a good authority on on Irish immigration, Irish diaspora and stories of Irish people. So working with our historians, who are both brilliant camera, I should say, um, that really works very well for us. It does because it's such a big challenge for, for so many organisations. They want to do these channels like TikTok that are becoming more dominant or Instagram reels, but they don't have any people that want to go in front of the camera and that's a real that's a real issue because those channels need that kind of guide that kind of face presence a human presence there you know and for sure i mean our historian in residence catherine she started with us in january but one of the key criteria would be that she would be willing and good to camera you know, it, and the same with our previous historian in residence, who was also a brilliant camera. That, that's an essential skill that for us, that role, as important as their rigor in research for as a historian and what stories they choose to, to tell and how they tell them. But, you know, I suppose a historian, they must be able to get their story across and they must be able to do it in an engagement way. And for us, we do talks and lectures on site, but our biggest audience that we reach with with stories is definitely digital. That's interesting. So do you feel like your social channels are working in quite quite different ways because of the different functionality and audiences there? They do. And I mean, while we have our overarching brand and what we want to do, um, then we, we definitely have... I mean, Instagram is very visual, so it is about little snippets of the museum, it's a great way to get kind of short stories out. Facebook, it's, we can put longer stories and we're much more likely on Facebook to get that engagement where you post a piece and people are responding and they're reacting. Um, so if we, if we have a marketing campaign or if we have an exhibition and we post some stories, you're much more likely on Facebook to get that reaction, that comment. That positive comment, maybe the challenging comment that will get more comments and engagement, and, that, and that's very important for us. Yes, absolutely. Um, do you find that people are quite willing to engage with you? And what kind of things do they say in general when they do? One of the things that people love about Epic, actually, is um, we had a campaign last year uh, challenging stereotypes and the stereotypes of the Irish. And we continue that campaign when we were planning out our marketing campaign for this year. The campaign was so strong last year that we went back to our brand agency and said, we want to refresh that. How... How do we do it? How do we keep challenging the stereotypes? And it's always driven by insight. It was obviously driven by how people engaged last year. The insight this year of the Oscars, where it was the most successful year ever for Irish actors, Irish films. And to have on stage comments again, you know, oh, we have the Irish here tonight. Maybe a fight will start. Oh, the Irish are here in force tonight. I'm, I imagine that everybody will be drunk by the end of the night. That's so derogatory for the, for the incredible talent and skill that was in showcase. So our 
our brand agency came up then with to refresh that campaign to talk about artificial intelligence. So we, we had the same Paddy Irishman and what would he look like if we put into AI Irishman? And of course, what came out again was the absolute stereotypes with the drunken looking face, the red hair, the leprechaun hat, everything that is not what represents a modern Irish person today. So that campaign has been very successful. So when you talk about people engaging, yes, sometimes it's just completely on a fun, superficial level going, I know lots of people like that, or, you know, John, this looks like you, you know, so there's a lot of fun with it, which, you know, Epic is a fun, interactive experience to be enjoyed. So we love it that people are just taking the fun side. But then you get a lot more serious engagement where people are saying it's about time this was tackled or they start sharing their own stories going, yeah, I went to hire a car in New York a few months ago. And when they handed me over the keys, they said, don't drink and drive. You know, so again, reinforcing, well, you're Irish and this is what's going to happen. And so you get that kind of engagement as well, where people are looking saying, well, this really isn't us. And it's, it's good that people like Epic or institutions like Epic are actually able to call out the stereotypes and do something about it. Yeah, that's interesting that, isn't it, that you've taken on a bit of brand activism there. I mean, that that's something that has been something of a, a trend in in recent years in general, whether you look at what certain food brands have been doing, certain clothes brands, you know, around things like sustainability and child labour and uh, fair trade and the environment and all that kind of thing. So brand activism is not new and you've sort of taken that upon yourself a bit to challenge these global Irish stereotypes with the this is not us campaign which as you say you put uh, the term Irish man into I think it looks like stable diffusion or Dawley or something like that one of the main um, tools and it's like you say kind of put out all these very stereotypical leprechaun man gruff looking yes sort of semi-drunk looking man images this so that really resonated with people did it because people started to share stories about assumptions people were making like you say the comment of someone you know renting a car in new york and that kind of thing do you know we even at work one day we were sitting around talking about our own experiences particularly as immigrants like i mean it's because in ireland you you don't pay too much heed, but, and the Irish are good at laughing at themselves. So we don't, we don't, you know, and there hence comes kind of conversation going, this looks like somebody I know, but we've, in my team, I think everybody has lived and worked abroad at some stage. And we just went, we started telling stories of, of, you know, discrimination or even just people commenting on the stereotypes. And I remember one, for example, I was working in Switzerland and if people were late to work, the chef, the executive chef I was working in a restaurant, used to come over to me and go, you Irish, did you have a party last night? And, you know, the insinuation was somebody was at your party, they drank too much and now they haven't. It could have been nobody to do with us, but just that insinuation, it was you Irish again. Um, or... My name, Ailish, which is the Irish for Alice, was difficult for somebody to, one of my bosses to pronounce. And he just decided he'd call me cabbage, bacon and cabbage. And that was it. I was 18 years old. I was terrified of him. I just, I didn't even call it out. It was just like, 
you know, and I think we're just so used to people addressing us according to the stereotypes that often we don't really call it out. But when you think back to that experience, you go, actually, we should be calling it out. And epic, you know, stereotypes have been used for years. Some of it is positive as well. Um, but a lot of it is, is used in a negative way to, has been over the years to keep the Irish in their place to, um, but you can also harness the energy of stereotypes. Coming up soon, we have the Erlingus College Football Classic, um, played in Dublin. It's Notre Dame versus Navy. Um, and Notre Dame, it's a very esteemed college in America. Their moniker is the Fighting Irish. And that came from Irish members of the team years ago and their determination to succeed. And that's where the Fighting Irish has come. And they've harnessed that energy and that positivity. So stereotypes can be positive as well. Yes, yeah, that's absolutely right. It's about harnessing it. And how did you measure the efficacy of this campaign? Oh, we measure everything. So... um so we measured in, in obviously we, we measured from, from impressions and we measured from engagement. So, you know, looking back over the impressions in July. So the campaign started at the beginning of July on Twitter. We've had four, sorry, 4.7 million impressions and 27,000 engagements on Twitter. Um, landing page views were 5,872. So I think that's great that that brought that many people to the website. The video views, which was six sec- second video, three hundred forty eight thousand. The full views, um, three hundred eighty four. So people stayed on and watched the full. So that three six that seven hundred fifty thousand have watched the video of that campaign. Um, Facebook over half a million impressions. Instagram. Th- 380,000 impressions. So again, very very strong brand another way we will measure so very strong performed on digitally performed really strong i think we had over 90 pieces of media as a result of that campaign from radio interviews to print pieces yes it does have a pr worthy whiff about it that's 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 great that yeah it does and look it was an inspired suggestion from our brand agency the public house because AI just suddenly became very, very topical. It seemed to come out of nowhere from kind of some awareness in the back of our mind to, you know, in the weeks leading up to us launching the campaign and we were working on it, Primetime ran a piece about AI and it became, it was on nearly every radio program I seemed to turn on, they were talking about it. So it became, it is a very topical conversation at the moment about the positivity of it and the negativity. So um, I think we... Timing was good. Timeliness is such a massive driver. Topicality is such a huge driver of these things, isn't it? And anyone in marketing should always be thinking, if there's a conversation that suddenly come to the fore, how can we do something interesting with this? So I think that's a really great example of that, um, personally. It has to be on brand. You have to have, I think, for that to really work, you have to have a unique point of view and a unique point of authority and as you know the foremost probably or you know a museum talking about immigration and having working having two historians on our team who are very strong on the impact of stereotypes on the Irish for years it gives us something you know it gives us a strong voice and an authority on this that maybe you know not everybody will have so you have to get that right um Joe Biden visited Ireland in April 
2023, earlier this year. And he was going back to visit his ancestral home, which was in County Mayo, which is on the west coast of Ireland. In Ireland, we, we play a sport called um, Gaelic football, and Mayo has a very, very strong team. Unfortunately, despite getting very near, Mayo have never managed in the to win the. It's been years since Mayo has won the All Ireland final, even though they have been there or thereabouts, breaking the heart, I think, of every Mayo fan and probably every every everybody else in the country except the country that beat them. We've all really been rooting for Mayo to get some success in in the All Ireland football championship each year. And there is rumours that there's a curse and until that curse is lifted that Mayo will never lift the Sam Maguire and the Sam Maguire is the cup that you win when you win this championship. Um, and it becomes a, you know, it's a very personal voyage, I think, for Mayo fans each year as, as they root for their, their amazing football team to win the Sam Maguire. So Joe Biden was visiting um, Ballina in County Mayo to address the crowd there. It was kind of one of the keynote speeches that he was going to give when he was here in Ireland. And it's actually where he announced that he was going to run for presidency. He informally announced that he was going to run for the presidency again. So we put this enormous billboard just outside um, the town in Mayo. And the headline on the billboard was, who would have thought that Mayo would have an American president before they lifted Sam? And so it was for football lovers all around the world, it became, you know, it was kind of really just a very fun, tongue-in-cheek way of of getting attention. And we we supported that with a digital campaign. And it again, as as we would have expected, it went viral. It went all around the world and just a fun brand awareness, very topical. The whole campaign was over in a week because once Joe Biden left the country, that was it. But it worked. It was hugely successful for us. Interesting. So, and just talk to me about how you see that. So how, how do you measure that? And yeah, how do you how did you integrate it with digital? Is it is it the same people, by the way? Is it the same marketing team with that agency that would deploy both a billboard and then some related um, digital content? So yes, I mean, with our director of marketing, um, Yvonne, she would sit down and plot with the agency the key. Um, the key assets that we would need and how they were going to deploy them. Um, and we try with every campaign, we try to make, we try to get as many touch points as possible. So you have, in, in fact, in this campaign, we also use print media. We took out a full page ad in the Connacht Tribune. We had the billboard. We made um, a little TikTok video, which was hugely successful. Um, we had our digital assets and we had a landing page on our own website page that talked a little bit more about Joe Biden's background and the history of the Sam Maguire and why they were both relevant. Um, so how we measure... We so at the beginning of each year and the end of each year we measure brand awareness. So we use an agency that that will do that campaign, ask him specific questions about what they know of Epic, have they heard of it, likelihood to visit. So just doing open surveys of the public and basically measuring, just sort of wide. 
yeah. awareness. So and he would ask, you know, yeah. have you heard of this museum? What have you heard about it? And and comparing us to key competitors, and then, you know, pre and post every campaign, we the big campaigns we measure our brand awareness, so we are able to see if there's really an impact. Um, the other impact, of course. Really, the one, the probably the most important one is is it driving visitor numbers at the end of the day. If the, and it's hard to measure with visitor numbers. We do ask every visitor that comes to the museum, "How have you heard about us?" But usually, there's various touch points, and they're more likely to give the last one. So they might have heard from you three or four ways. They might have seen it. They might have seen it on TripAdvisor. Somebody recommended it, and then finally hear their. Maybe the taxi driver mentioned it to them that morning when they got arrived at the airport, and that's the one they'll give at the desk. But it gives us an overall indication without it being totally qualitative. qualitative. Yes, indeed, indeed. Um, and just what is the most popular answer people give out of interest? Do you know that offhand? Of, of how they've heard of us, word of mouth. Right. Somebody recommend word of mouth. People have recommended it is is by far and above everything else, you know. But then on the other hand, you can, you know, if we look at say, well, word of mouth is driven by uh, ambient. Word of mouth is driven by it? all the digital, all the engagements that people have. So somebody might be a fan of ours on Facebook and loving the history and loving all the stories. And then a friend of theirs is going to Dublin and they say, go to Epic, even though they haven't been there to us themselves. So it's it's just one qualitative measure. Well, look, I mean, it's all going very well. Um, you, you won three years in a row the title of Europe's leading tourist attraction. Yeah, that was... Um, that's, that, that's incredible. So Europe's leading tourist attraction is an award given by the World Travel Awards every year. What's really special for us is it is completely public vote. So there is no entry form. There's no brand building. It is... We invite... Both all of our followers, we invite our visitors to vote for us, um, and they do, and that's how we won three years in a row. Interesting. What do you think's the sort of magic formula for achieving that? What? How? How do you think that happened three years in a row? Of course, we. I suppose for, to. Because it's by public vote, obviously, we ran our own internal marketing campaigns to invite people to vote for us. There was no reward for voting. So it is based on a world-class visitor experience, on what people have enjoyed. And when we talk about a world-class visitor experience, I would say what's critical for Epic is it's the emotion. You know, the, the words that people use when they visited us is that, you know, it was very moving. I felt very proud to be Irish. Um, I learned a lot. It was very immersive. We enjoyed our visit. It was one of the best things we've done. So, but it was, it's the emotive words that people were using. And I think that's the engagement which makes you, um, the world's leading tourist attraction because it, it's that, that sense of, what are the memories that you take with you? What will you, you know, what emotion does it evoke six months, a year later, post your visit? I think that's it, isn't it? I think that's the advantage you have is these stories. It is more, it stays, it's stuff that stays with people perhaps a little bit more than artifact-led um, museum curating, right? And maybe that's maybe that's your kind of uh, 
winning formula in in regards to you know certainly that the that kind of feedback and the awards that's great do you think the awards make a difference they do they do without a doubt um i i it just helps build brand awareness so you know when we each year as we won the awards we got a lot of publicity from that but i suppose in in a way people make their own mind and they often people use two or three touch points before they make their mind up that they're going to to come and visit but i think just knowing that it is europe's leading tourist attraction at least that makes you maybe have a look and then make your mind up so bringing people to the website or bringing people to any kind of on-site review to get a sense of is this for me i think it does help you tr- i mean it's like anything but you know you, you you've got this you've got this very specific window of time perhaps people are, are on a visit to dublin I'm assuming, and they're thinking of maybe a handful of things they might do. And you're right, they go to your website as part of their kind of research ahead of that trip or even on that trip and see those gold rosettes or, you know, emblems in the awards. And I, I'm sure it kind of makes people feel like, yeah, this is probably a safer bet for the Sunday afternoon. <laughs> um, and we are, we're competing for people's time and Dublin has right. an amazing array of visitor attractions, you know, so, and the Fault Ireland research says that most visitors will do on, on average, Fault Ireland's research says on average people in when they visit Dublin do 2.2 visitor attractions, museums during their visit. Yeah. Which isn't many. Which isn't many when, you know, you're competing with, with everybody else that's available with, with very high quality of available things to see and do in Dublin. Um, and then on top of that, you're competing for, you know, the time that they might spend shopping or going to the theatre or in other ways people can spend their time when they're with us in Dublin. So definitely the awards help focus the mind a little bit. Now, you mentioned Fulcher Island. They're the, the tourist board. They are. Uh, the tourism authority, really, for Ireland, aren't they? You used to work there. I worked. Um, I did. I was. I was a contractor, so I never worked directly with Fault Ireland, but I did a lot of work with them. So I was on their mentor panel, and they used to have a program called Best Practice and Service Excellence, and I was very involved in coaching and delivering that program into hotels and visitor attractions for Fault Ireland. Because I see that your trajectory is so um, tourism and destination marketing focused. I'd love to, uh, I know this might sound um, like a mad idea, but I'd love to boil down all of your experience (laughs) into a handful of just sort of crystallised, just the first things that come to mind, some crystallised insights and tips really for our listeners. You know, if you had to boil down the kind of key takeaways from your career, learning all that you've learned about destination travel, tourism, marketing. What do you think are the main things to consider for someone going into that industry? Coming into the industry, for me, it's all about the customer. You know, what is the, what's the customer journey? What do they want to do during their time? How can you personalize your message to be where they're at at that time in their life digital marketing makes that a lot easier than than traditional print that you can you can you can be on digital screens at the airport if your insight is that 
people don't decide what they're going to do until they get to Dublin. You can work very closely with the online travel agents if you think they will make their booking and start to research it a few weeks before they come to Dublin. So it's really about being exactly where the customer is at that time when they're about to make the booking. I suppose that's critical from a marketing perspective. From a product perspective, I mean, we are relentless in chasing down feedback and gathering feedback and insights from our visitors. So obviously you you have the sourced ones like um, Google, TripAdvisor, the feedback that comes via the online travel agent. We also do a lot of our own surveys, either directly, we might have somebody meet and greet, we'll do a period for of a week where we'll interview visitors as they leave the museum. We also have a place where people can give their feedback and quite a large number of our visitors actually stop to give feedback as they're leaving the museum because they're immersed there. They have an emotional engagement and they're quite happy to stop and tell us what they've actually thought. Um, so we're continually evolving our product, making sure that it remains world-class and remains what our visitor wants to see and experience. That's very interesting. One final question for you. You, you did the DMI Pro. How, how did that help? And how do you think in general upskilling and training can play a role in a career like yours? Oh, gosh. Um, so in 2014, I've all, even though my background has been general manager and I'm, I'm now CEO of Epic, I've always, I suppose, played to my strengths around PR, sales, marketing. The, those have been the aspects of management that I've enjoyed probably the most. So in 2014, I was consulting. I'm um, I had just left a role and I, I was self-employed consulting and I felt that my digital marketing skills weren't nearly strong enough and it was becoming a huge part of the marketing mix of, of any organization. And even though I didn't probably intend at the time and haven't become a practitioner and I think to be really good at, at anything, you have to become a full-time practitioner, it gave me all the knowledge tools that I needed at the time to understand which channels to engage, how to allocate budget. It gave me the right questions to ask. So when I took over as director of sales and marketing at Epic, um, I knew instinctively with, with that we needed to resource digital marketing better. I knew it gave me the tools to know what kind of person, what kind of skills we needed. And then over the years, I continually do um, courses. A lot of them are short, but I might join short workshops because the the environment that we're in changes all the time. You know, so I see my daughter on TikTok. She's 12, you know, and she's she's obviously grown up only with digital and she's using it all the time, making videos, connecting. And I think you just have to keep upskilling and keep, keep abreast it doesn't mean that you have to be in depth it depends on where you are with your career obviously but um, being able to have that conversation to ask the right questions and to guide somebody in how you know you using your own experience with somebody else's experience makes for a, a better delivery i think of a service and a product yes that's 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 very true that isn't it even when it's not you doing it you're briefing other people to do it to have that understanding the course was great and would have equipped me had I gone on to, you know, become a full-time digital marketing executive. 
But what it has done for me actually is, is really giving me the language, the tools, the knowledge and the knowing where to look for further knowledge because you have to keep developing. Well, look, thanks so much. That was very interesting to unpack what you're doing there um, at Epic. I really appreciate all your insight and knowledge. One last question for you. Where can people find and connect with you online? Um, so if they want to find me personally, um, just look at I'm Ailish Carew. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, a- um, Ailish Carew on Twitter and then obviously please come and visit us at Epic the Irish Immigration Museum we will do thanks so much Ailish thank you you're very welcome Will it's lovely chatting to you if you enjoyed this episode subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and for more information about transforming your marketing career through certified online training head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com thanks for listening